myself a Lincoln Got me plotting, got me plotting, got me thinking, got me thinking How can I come up and get myself a Lincoln out of Continental? Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast. Hey, hey, it's Jason ODB, a.k.a. the Lincoln Addict, back with another episode. And I'm just going to start the year fresh. Happy New Year to everyone out there, 2022. Obviously, the last three-plus years have been focused on our lifestyle podcast, which is known as OLP. That's obviously my love for the trucks, the mini trucks, the full-size trucks, air suspension, that entire scene that I've been involved with 25 straight years, 25-plus years, rather. And obviously, you guys know I love Lincolns, and I'm going to focus on growing this podcast in 2022. I've said that before, so bear with me. It's going to be a great year as we move ahead. Also, don't forget to check out Lincoln Addict via YouTube. I am constantly going to be uploading content there. And I also spent some time today, went over to Clearwater, got a chance to hang out with Chris Dunn from Lincoln Land and just talk Lincolns and all kinds of stuff. So I'll be talking about that in a future episode. Now on this episode, first off, I want to thank the fine folks over at Devious Customs, Jeff and team, deviouscustoms.com. If you're looking to do a resto mod on your Lincoln, or maybe you want to update some parts like the window switches, Jeff and team continue to grow the catalog of parts, if you will, that they offer, go to deviouscustoms.com. Also got to thank the entire cast and characters, including Michael at Colorado Custom. Colorado Custom is the only wheel company out there that makes a replica Lincoln wheel that will match or look very similar to the hubcap on your car. It's all custom cut out of billet, and they have the best customer service in the wheel industry. ColoradoCustom.com. They're on Instagram. They're also on Facebook. You can send them a direct message or Email them from the website, coloradocustom.com. Michael and team will take care of you. So on this episode, not going to overthink it. You know, typically, if you've been listening, obviously, there's a lot of things I usually cover. And just to get things rolling in the new year, I'm going to keep this one very light. Now, I do have Mark Evans that will come on this episode. Mark is a great guy. I can't thank him enough for taking the time to talk a little bit about his love for these cars His car was recently at Lincoln Land. I won't go over the entire story. You can hear it from Mark, but he's a great dude. And again, I got to give a nod to the Lincoln Forum. The LincolnForum.net is a great place if you're having an issue with your car or you want to network with people that have been around these cars a very long time. As I've said in the past, social media in this world kind of has taken over and forums are almost a thing of the past, but I often reinforce the folks that when you go to the forums, there's build threads and there's things like that that aren't as easy to maybe maintain in a Facebook environment like Lincoln Addict group on Facebook. So Lincoln, the LincolnForum.net, make sure you check it out. That's where I met Mark. And Mark, as I mentioned, had his car down here. So we'll roll into that audio in just a couple of minutes. Now, it's been a minute since I uploaded a new episode So I want to let everyone know that I did go out to SEMA this year, and I was out there with Street Trucks Magazine. Obviously, I network with them, and I write a column every month for that national publication. I also work with Street Trucks for the live streams. Live streams are cool over on their YouTube channel because we get a chance to talk to a lot of owners of trucks, manufacturers. 
one of those manufacturers that I got a chance to link up with at SEMA was Steel Rubber. Now, we've had them on the podcast, and to be honest, it's one of our most download and streamed episodes ever. They're great folks, and when I talked to them out there, they said, hey, thanks for all the support, and I said, hey, what's most important is that you're taking care of these Lincoln Continental owners. These cars, as we know, continue to go up in value, and I've reinforced this since day one of this podcast. If you have a car, whether it's a sedan, a coupe, or a convertible, go to steelrubber.com, S-T-E-E-L-E, rubber.com. You get a free catalog. I also always advocate make a spreadsheet or write down what you need and buy those pieces a little bit at a time if you can't necessarily splurge for the entire set of parts that you need. And change one at a time. They've got awesome videos. I've been working on some videos that I'm going to use through social media to kind of reinforce how easy it really is to install many of the parts that they offer. So thanks to the crew over at Steel Rubber. They're at SEMA every year. They offer things from RVs to trucks to, of course, why you're here, Lincoln Continentals, the 60s in particular. And if there's something that they don't offer, make sure you hit them up, let them know. And often if they can get a good original piece, they can scan it. And they'll make sure they manufacture it so that you can protect your car from the rain and, of course, that wind noise that we all hate when we're driving. Whether it's a convertible or not, you don't want to have the wind noise, steelrubber.com. So, again, you know, just trying to, you know, get back into the swing of things. And uh, with this episode, going to keep it kind of light overall. Um, You know, there's oftentimes I love talking about Lincolns and TVs, shows, movies, and things like that. And I like to provide updates on what I've got going on. But really, I want to keep this one light, as I mentioned, as we move into 2022 and just get back on track with putting out good content that everyone can appreciate. I've gotten a lot of messages and emails from folks that have said, hey, thanks for the commitment to the community. And I certainly appreciate that. I've reinforced for as long as I've been tied to these Lincolns that I don't know it all. I constantly am learning new things from Blair, from Teresa, from John Cashman, from Chris Dunn, from the folks over at Old Lincoln Parts, Kelly and Herb. There's a lot of great resources out there, including the LincolnForum.net. And if it wasn't for these resources, I wouldn't know the things that I know. So thanks to all of those folks, that's most important. Some of these guys like Chris Dunn, I was at his house today. You know, you talk about these cars, when they were 15, 20 years old, they were kind of clunkers. They uh, obviously didn't get good fuel mileage, and that translated into in the mid-70s, late 70s, when people were dumping these big gas guzzlers, so to speak. These cars were just literally cars you could pick up for, dare I say, Chris told me, $100 back in the day. So it's great that you know 60-plus years they've stood the test of time, and many of us love these cars, but... Just know without the community and the dedicated support and also from some of the manufacturers that have stepped up to the plate to say, hey, we'll make parts like Devious Customs for these vehicles to maybe ease the assembly and or installation of new parts to replace 60 plus year old parts. And that's what Devious Custom does. Now, I've said this all along. If you've got old school parts, window switches and things like that, that you want to re, uh, repair, hit me up, Lincoln Attic Podcast at gmail.com, or you can click email in the Instagram bio. 
that will load up our email address. I can get you in contact with Blatter Farmer. He'll rebuild your amp gauge so you don't have to go with maybe Dakota Digital gauges. He'll rebuild your window switches if you want to keep things original and more uh, OG, so to speak. But again, the good thing about this community is that there are options now. If you go back 10, 15, 20 years, there weren't as many. I remember when you tried to airbag these cars and you had Ride Tech making control arms, and that was pretty much it, right? Mob Steel was making kits and things like that, and now you've had companies like Devious Customs step up to make it easier for all of us. So again, thanks to those vendors. And as we ramp back up this podcast in 2022, just want to thank everyone that continues to listen, whether you're on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or whatever method you're listening. Thank you guys so much. But with that being said, less than 10 minute intro. I never thought that would happen. Enjoy the rest of this episode with Mark Evans. He's a fantastic dude. He's got a beautiful car. And stay on the rise, as we always say. Of course, that was coined from my brother, Tony Boss Boland. He's got another guest lined up, which I think is going to be cool. He also has another car lined up, which I think is going to be even cooler. So more to come. Happy New Year, everyone. Hope you had a great Christmas. Stay safe out there and keep cruising your Lincolns, whether they're stock or customized. We love them all. ODB, the Lincoln Addict. Peace. Hey, hey, it's Jason, ODB, the Lincoln Addict, and we've got Mark Evans here, someone I met through the kind of the Lincoln Forum, but then started talking on the phone, and Mark, I just want to welcome you, and and thank you so much for taking some time. Hey, thanks, Jason. Glad to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I know that you came down to uh, Clearwater recently, and I didn't get a chance to link up with you, but we did chat since then, and I know you had a blast when you were down here, Mark. (laughs) That's right. Hanging out with our friends over at Lincoln Land and just catching up on the good work that they were doing for me on my car and its restoration. So uh, glad to say, though, that, that that work's complete and the car's now home, and I'm, I'm very happy. So um, I'm glad to be here to talk about old Lincolns. For sure. And, you know, I can't wait to talk about your awesome convertible. Um, maybe just a little background, like, you know, who's Mark Evans? Like, you know, where'd you grow up? And maybe a little bit of background on yourself, sir. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I think the car is more interesting than I am, but... Oh. <laughs> um, I grew up in a little town in South Carolina, uh, just a, a few miles away from Clemson University. Kind of a tie-in to the car story when I was a kid, and we had to start writing book reports and stuff. Mm-hmm. And re- I wrote a book report. I think it was assigned to me. And it was about um, President Kennedy and uh, his assassination. And I was born in '62, mm-hmm. so um, I wrote I wrote a, wrote a book report, and then when I got into middle school and high school we were asked you know to, to create more comprehensive book reports and citing sources and i ended up uh, i think it was in high school I, I wrote on the same topic but i went up to the university and looked through some of the books they had there the tombs and uh, the warren report and all that and i, I saw pictures of this car mm. and they were the placement of the different people in the motorcade and but you know in my town I don't recall ever seeing a Lincoln, mm-hmm. but I was fascinated by it. And I think that's kind of where my, my love of the car, just because I was interested in it started. And, um, 
So anyway, I went to Clemson, um, met my wife there. We moved to Texas. Um, another funny aside story. Uh, she is the youngest of three daughters. Mm-hmm. And her parents were in Fort Worth. And her father had a black 63 sedan wow. with, uh, with a red interior. And I think it's a portion kind of like the one that you have in your 65. Mm-hmm. And so he was a salesman, and he drove that car all the time until the point where it started giving him some problems, and you know, and he's not very mechanical. And so he turned the car over to his three daughters. Really? And that's the car. That's the car they learned to drive in, and they took turns who would drive it to school or who had it <laughs> after school to go work at the Pizza Hut or whatever. So I, when I, you know, met the family, and there's the car was still, you know, parked in the driveway. Mm-hmm. I was I was even more fascinated with it. Oh, that's so, cool. You know, all these years I've been interested in one, and I wanted one. Um, so we got married, moved to Texas. Uh, I was in Dallas. I started in banking. I worked for Bank of America, and now for Wells Fargo. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in financial crimes. And so it's a it's a very demanding job, very interesting job. But when I have time away from work. I need something. I need a release. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, sometimes that was fishing or sometimes it was volunteering, but uh, I was really passionate about trying to find a blue 63. Yeah. And when you mentioned that to me, the blue, like what, what like what's the connection there? Uh, Cause I love the color blue. My dad and I did as well. Is there one reason why you like blue as much as I do? Well, blues, kind of like what's your favorite color? Blue's yes. your favorite color. But what a lot of people don't know, is that the car that Kennedy was in that day in Dallas was a blue 61. Mm-hmm. The 61 twos and threes are much the same. Mm-hmm. At some point, they had upfitted that car's grill to be a 62 grill. 61 is pretty distinctive grill, but 62 mm-hmm. and 3 are kind of the same. So people get kind of confused about what year car that was, but it was a 61 upfitted you know, for all the security details work. And then a 62-ish looking grill was added. Um, but most of the photos of that day, you know, are in black and white. And, mm-hmm. the, and the car is, is called Nocturnal Blue. It's the mm-hmm. color. It's so dark blue that even up close sometimes in the right light, it looks black. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when, when the Zapruder film came out later and you see color, you know, you find out, well, heck, it was a blue. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's kind of my, my reason. I just fell in love with the car. I'd never been around one. I had never driven one. Um, I never owned one, but I wanted one. Oh yeah. And so, yeah. To me, that's that's the cool thing because a lot of us. I always love to hear the story on why someone was drawn to it. I was born on November twenty third, of course, uh, in in the late seventies. So every year around my birthday, oh, I would right. yeah, I would I would watch you know as this even young, this year yeah. Even this year, it still makes the news every year. Exactly. And, you know, I'd see these documentaries, and then there was this kind of like skateboarding movie that came out in the late 80s with Christian Slater. And, uh, you know, there was this big, it was a 65 convertible, believe it or not. And I remember watching that movie going, man, that's a big car, you know? And it had this convertible <laughs> top, and uh, it just was like intriguing to me. I was like, man, what is that? So, you know, we all kind of have these different. Um, stories, right, on, on how we're drawn. You know, some folks like yourself, you know, like you, I've heard people say, hey, my parents had one, my grandparents, this and that. So, you know, I'm always intrigued by that. And 
the Kennedy car too, um, you know, the, I think it was codenamed SSX100. Um, what was neat is when my buddy from Los Angeles recently was in town, we were going to some of the spots where like JFK was and, and some historical spots. I saw Tampa. that. Oh, it I was, saw that. it was so cool. And I was showing him some of the photos and, uh, man, it was just, I mean, it's amazing to think Mark back in those days, like they still do it, but I mean, you know, they'd load that Lincoln up in a plane and just fly it state to state. You know, that's crazy to me. That's right. <laughs> the good old days. But, uh, but to your point that nocturne blue, the other reason that stands out in my mind too, is over the years starting to become more of a Lincoln fan and researching, um, I always loved the James Bond movies, but then when I realized uh, Goldfinger had that nocturne blue Lincoln in it, and that color is just an awesome color. It's really funny, yeah. It's, it, I think that might have been a '62, but uh, you know, it, I look for those in the movies. Like, mm -hmm. um, there's a Sidney Poitier movie called "In the Heat of the Night." Yes, and he's he's you know and he's. I won't go through the whole movie, but he was in town. He was drawn into an investigation, helping the local police or sheriff there. And they're looking at the guy's car that was murdered. Mm -hmm. And they have, he gets in there and he pulls a couple of levers and the convertible top on this, <laughs> I think it's a 63, uh, actually operates. And, you know, I'm in the middle of, you know, after I found mine and bought mine, which we'll talk about later, I'm trying to figure out how to make that work. And I've had to replace all the, you know, relays and hydraulics. And and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's a video in a movie that shows how this thing's supposed to operate. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. I think that's that was back in, like, the 60s when that one came out in the heat of the night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I'm always intrigued. And now I've got my buddies. They'll text me, like, hey, check this one out. And I'm like, oh, man, I never knew that. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. But. So you fast forward all these years, like you said, you kind of, you know, we all need to have a hobby or something. And obviously Lincoln's had piqued your interest and the story, I've talked to you about it a couple of times on how you obtained your car, you know, so we all have a few that kind of get away, but when you really dialed in and you had this opportunity to bring this car home, ironically enough, it was from Texas. Um, talk to, you know, talk to us a little bit about how, how you found it. Cause I think you found it on a website, right? I did. I did. I had, um, you know, having some fireside chats with some of my other car nut buddies mm -hmm. and, you know, guys I go fishing with or backpacking or whatever, the outdoor stuff. And we're always trading stories about where we are with our hobbies around cars. And I realized that I was still just talking about my hobby mm -hmm. and I never really made any progress. So when I, after one of these long trips, I came back and just said, you know, I just, need, I really need to get out, you know, get busy. And so I, I kept watching and looking and looking at different places for cars because they pop up in different venues. Mm -hmm. And I did. I, I missed on a couple because I had questions because I wasn't sure what I was looking at in a picture, if it was all there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you've seen this too. People get involved with these cars. They get about halfway into a restoration, figure out that, holy smokes, this thing's complicated. Right. And they stop. Then they want to sell the car for, for nearly full retail with half the parts dumped in the back seat. Yep. Now, I don't know anything about these cars when I first got involved, but I knew that if I found one that was intact mm -hmm. with all good bones and everything there, that I, I could figure this out. So passed on some of the, you know, some of these ones that Basket just needed cases. too much work. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right. true, true projects. 
And um, this one out in San Antonio came up for sale. So it was blue. That was exciting. It was a 63. That was exciting. I contacted them and um, found out that there was another bidder ahead of me. But I turned to my wife. You know, she grew up with a Lincoln. It's a, it's a family thing. She said, hey, fly on out there. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Squared things away at the office. Got on a plane. I think that was Wednesday, late in May. 2017 flew out to San Antonio um, and went over to see the car. Well, what I found out was is that a gentleman by the name of Jack Beckwith had bought the car new. The car was actually made the uh, same week that I was born, like October wow. 24th, 62. Wow. He bought it, bought it in San Antonio at the dealership. Still had the San Antonio dealership, you know, plate on the back mm-hmm. um and um he drove it every day man and then in 1997 and i believe it's because maybe he was in poor health he donated it to the texas transportation museum in san antonio wow now this is a, it's a museum that is more for trains and that kind of rolling stock mm-hmm. and, and on the weekends you know they'll fire up a couple of locomotives and take you know paid visitors around in, in these various passenger cars. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a small showroom, but it's not really so much about cars, but it's about trains. And so apparently he was a big volunteer of the museum. He lived just down the road. Okay. And so he donated the car to the museum and I've got pictures of it where it sat in the museum. They gave me some of the plaques and things that they had inside the museum wow. to kind of identify the car and what it was. And then he would come in every week and he would dust it off and crank it up, apparently, mm-hmm. just so you know, make sure the tires were right. still full of air. Oh yeah. And uh, but then, sadly, the same year he donated the car, he passed away. Mm. Yeah, we're talking. If he bought it in '63, and we're talking '97, you know, that's a 34, 35 year span there. Right. Okay. So they, they, they didn't keep it in the showroom well after he passed, as far as I'm understanding. Uh, they pushed it out to the back part of the property into a barn. Uh, they took the bias ply tires off and put it on blocks. Mm-hmm. Okay. When it was displayed, it, it was displayed with the top down. Uh, and they didn't know how to operate the top. Mm-hmm. So they just pushed it in the barn, top was still down, put it on blocks, and pulled a big orange tarp over it. And it sat there for 20 years. And then wow. a tornado tornado hit the barn. Volunteers got in there to figure out if the barn had to come down or if they could patch and repair it. And they found these two old cars in there. One was one was uh, the Lincoln, mm-hmm. and, the, and the other one was, I think, a uh, 57 Chrysler Imperial or something. Okay. You know, it was gone by the time I was out there, but they decided they had to get the cars out of there to work on the barn. And so I showed up, and, and there it was. So That's pretty you know, cool. Yeah, because, you know, and, and I would almost even say, I mean, that, in a sense, is kind of like a barn find, right? Because they, they put it into the barn, and that's where, if you think back and you've seen these TV shows and these stories, when someone finds a car in a barn, you know, it was, it, there's that old saying, it ran um, uh, it ran when we parked it there, right? And, you know, right. So they kind of park it there, and, you, you know, you keep it in a barn that kind of keeps it out of the elements for the most part. 
But oh, by the way, the other thing is Texas is a you know pretty dry state in a lot of ways. So really, with a tarp over it, I mean it was you know it was pretty protected. Now, so um, talk to us a little bit about the the inclement weather that they had gotten there and how that really maybe played a part. And them just deciding, hey, we want to maybe punt this or, or, or move it along. Well, the, I talked to the museum curator, and um, he knew the previous owner, Jack. And so I was trying to learn more about the story about the car mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, it wasn't operating. Mm-hmm. And there was another bidder ahead of me who couldn't make a decision if he wanted it or not, but he was, he was ahead. And I told him, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to get in the middle of somebody else's deal, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe working together would be okay if we tried to get it running because you know it's kind of a checklist item. Would it run? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was in the back of that trunk. I didn't know right. if all the convertible top pieces were there. Yep. I mean, I had no expectation that the the rag top itself was in good shape, but I just wanted to make sure that the frame was okay and everything else. Mm-hmm. And he turns to me and he says, "Well." I can't tell you what's in the in that trunk because the problem is is there's nobody around here now that <laughs> yeah. was alive back then. That yeah, exactly. The, but he says, Let me do some checking. So the next day while we're out there, me and some locomotive mechanics are trying to get it running and oh, we did. Wow. Um he brings over at the time eighty four year old Marie. Wow. Another volunteer at the museum. And a, and a neighbor of Jack's. And she tells me the story about how this was Jack's baby. And he took care of it. And um, she couldn't say for sure what was in the trunk. But she knew that the way that he was or how much he cared for the car, that he would never have taken it apart or left it in, in bad repair. Mm, that's, and, said, a, well, and that's good intel at that point. Yeah, that's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she kind of grabbed me by my arm and pulled me close and said, Whatever you do, if you end up buying this, just be sure you do it the right way. Nice. You you bet. You bet. And as it turns out, the the bidder ahead of me couldn't figure out what he wanted to do. So they gave him a deadline by which to, you know, seal the deal and he passed. So then they they passed the offer to me. So Wow. We kinda pushed it out of the barn and uh called up central dispatch. And a hauler in, and a hauler came by. We had to winch it into the back of this big trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he hauled it all the way from San Antonio, Texas, uh, up to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got it home, and then that's, that's when the, the restoration journey began. Yeah, so then you started, you know, my understanding, right, is you start kind of tinkering with it. Um I've been there before. It's like, you know, you get it home and you're like, wow, I want to do this and this, but you know, then it's got a convertible top. So there's like that piece. So you were able to kind of get it to a point where you could drive it around a little bit, right? Oh yeah. 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 You had to do the requisite things, you know, pull the radiator. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was original, but had some, uh, some solder joints in there that you knew it was from way back in the day. So we record the radiator, Mm -hmm. checked out the fuel system, dropped the tank, you know, had it boiled out and, and resurfaced and painted. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, s- stuff that, you know, you could work on, get your hands around, you know, get the brakes working mm-hmm. and uh, replace and friends, the spark plug. Your friends helped you with some of that, right? And and you were getting your hands dirty, too. <laughs> well, I definitely need some help to get it off the trailer and into the garage. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
Because uh, yeah, that was they're not, that was, light, that was they're not light, are they, Mark? <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a my house that's on the highest ridge in Charlotte, so it's, oh, it's uh, so from the street down to the driveway. I don't know how many feet of a drop that oh, is. Boy. So we, yeah, that was interesting. No brakes, and uh, somebody had to somebody had to be behind the steering wheel. Several people pushed, and sometimes people pulled to make sure it didn't go through the back side <laughs> of the garage. Yeah, because it's stressful. Because <laughs> you're like. I've been there before where I'm like, I'm not going to be able to stop this, but you kind of are like, well, if it starts rolling, I'm going to grab on and try to pull it, you know? But Brace for impact. Yeah, and you were saying, you know, um, when I kind of derailed there a little bit, but you kind of were saying, like, you know, you started getting into the spark plugs, doing kind of the old school stuff, right? Like a tune-up and really just, you know, the, the fuel system and everything. That way you could get it. Do you remember that first time when you were able to crank it from the key? Like, what was that feeling like? Well, you know, I got to back up. When we got it started out in out in the barn, uh-huh. I mean, talk about victory. Oh, that's Lord. right, because you got it started out there. Yeah, we, we these guys are locomotive mechanics. <laughs> and anyway, I won't get into it all, but it, it was quite a bit of finagling. But, but that was a success, and it turned over, and it ran. Mm-hmm. And um, But anyway, yeah, so I got it running here at the house, and I got new tires for it, and um, like I said, did the brakes and, you know, worked on the, on the things that really mattered to make sure it was rolling and it was safe and, and, and probably drove it for a year and, uh, and, and really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I, I don't want to bore you with everything that I had to do, but you basically have to touch everything on a car that's been sitting for 20 years. I know. And then it's like, you know, I've had friends buy them and, and like even me, I mean, I'll throw it out there. I haven't talked about this yet, but like with the 65, I'm fairly certain that the timing setup hasn't been done. And I know that that was the thing. Like you, yes. know, you eventually you're like, you, you do everything you can see. And then you're like, man, I really don't want to have to pull the, the water pump off to do this, to do this, to do this. Cause you know, it's a snowball, kind of a, an avalanche effect. Right. It so is. you got to a point where you're out enjoying the car and then you're like, man, I'm pretty certain maybe that timing setup maybe went right. Well, yeah, so you know, it's got this uh, fatal flaw from the factory, a congenital disease, <laughs> right? where the timing gear is cladded in a nylon product. They did it at the factory to quiet the ride, air quotes, mm-hmm. and um, I think what everybody's finding out some 50-something years later, that these bits of nylon come off the timing gear, and they get into the oil system, and they clog up the oil system, starve the car for oil, and... and uh, you know, gives it indigestion, but clearly you can <laughs> blow up your engine. Yeah, and like Tom, you can't just take Tums to fix that problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I, I, re, I, I read enough about it. It was starting to be something that I was reading about, probably you too, on the forum all around the same time. Oh, yeah. And um, so I reached out to Chris Dunn and the good folks at Lincoln Land and said, hey, I need all these parts um, to do what they call the front-end refresh. Mm-hmm. You know, take off the timing gear cover, everything off the front of the car, essentially, to get to the timing gear cover, to take that off, and then to replace the timing gear in the chain. And I bought all the parts, and I said, well, while I'm in there, I got the patient on the table. I'm going to replace maybe the oil pump and drop the oil pan, need the oil pan seal, and maybe I'll go ahead and rebuild, I don't know, what is it, the automatic transmission not not a steering pump right power steering steering pump pump. exactly you know just anything up there that you're going to be taking off and touching might as well just go ahead and do it and i got it all together and i got ready to look at it then i realized 
I'm not going to be able to do this in my garage with yeah. just just myself. It's a pain. So I reached out to Chris and I said, I need to get my car down to you and let you do this. Mm-hmm. I'm just not set up for this. So um, I got on his wait list and I drove it a little while and continued to drive it. And it cut off on me in traffic mm-hmm. one night and scared me to death. It just dead sticked on me. Mm-hmm. And I got it home, and I parked it, and I never drove it again until it got ready to go to, to Lincoln Land. Mm-hmm. And I get it down to Lincoln Land, they start doing the refresh, and they find out that the problem I've been trying to avoid with the refresh mm-hmm. had already happened. Yeah, it was down in the oil pan, like you said. Yep. So they called up and said, hey, we got a problem. We got to rebuild the engine. And I was like, well, okay. Um, I knew that one was going to be in my future at some time, but... Mm-hmm. We're, we're better to have it done by the people that know best about them. Yes, agreed. So and so we started down the path of the front-end refresh, and then we ended up with a rebuild. And then um, when we were done with that, it was a little slow through the COVID, early months of COVID. But when we were finished with that, we started having a paint conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of snowballed. <laughs> Yeah, and so then, you know, here you are as like, hey, I want to get the car going. And, you know, even though not getting, you know, getting the news that the engine's maybe got to be rebuilt can be frustrating. But the cool thing is with these older big block motors or, I mean, for the most part, most engines, when you take them to, when they take them to an engine place, you know, they can, they can easily rebuild them, you know. And now you've got this nice clean motor, you know, it's not all caked in oil. You know, I've been there, so I know. So then, you know. You also had you had to decide like maybe you know like do you want to have the top like kind of refreshed you know with some of the lines oh, yeah. you know do you want to maybe have a new top installed because I think that was one of your things right and keep me honest the top itself because I've seen plenty of these where the top is kind of non-existent but I mean you on yours I think you were saying that you had to put a new top on right well funny thing you know when, I, when that car was in the barn and eighty four year old Marie told me that she didn't know what was in there but everything should be in there the way that Jack kept things uh-huh. when i got it home and i won't go through the pains it is to try to get into the trunk yeah, yep. if the top's not working but with some help from some members of the forum i was able to do that it was like a time capsule jason that top looked like it was nearly branded wow yeah so i i think the guy the original owner i can see some of the dates that were on the top mm-hmm. something imprinted on the window the plastic window he replaced that top at some point before he donated the car to the museum. So it was fairly new, mm-hmm. but it had some stains on it because when that car was in the, basically the desert mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for 20 years, the high temperatures during the day and the low temperatures at night, it eventually those lifts for the hydraulics, you know, one, two for the rams for the trunk lid and mm-hmm. two for the top itself. They all four evacuated their fluids when the seals gave out, and the original hydraulic fluid was, we all now know to be a, what, a brown brake yeah. fluid, which is yeah. somewhat corrosive. Yep. So that dumped into the back of the trunk, and some dumped down behind the back seat and the back floorboard. Mm-hmm. So, so while it was intact, it had some stains and other stuff, but yes, it was, it was ripe for replacement. Yeah, and then that's when you were down here as well. You got a chance to, although I, I think Jim has been pretty busy, like you said, with COVID, it's kind of pushed everyone back. 
but you also got a chance to at least talk and link up with Jim Wallace uh, because, you know, <laughs> everybody knows, like, he makes the best tops around. Yeah, so I already had the, you know, I'd already done the trunk and gotten the trunk hydraulics and top hydraulics working. Got some great help over the phone from people like um, John Brewer yes. and John Cashman. Mm-hmm. Um, bought all the parts, did all that myself, worked great. Uh, quite a learning experience. Oh, yeah. But, wow, but good job. But when I was down there to look at the car in September 2021, just a few months ago, Chris and Eric at Lincoln, I said, man, this thing probably needs a new top. And I said, okay, I'm easy. Let's go. He said, well, there's only one problem. The best guy that does it is Jim Wallace. And uh, I said, yeah, I met Jim because I've got his carpet trunk set in my car. Mm-hmm. And I've got <laughs> I've got the carpets for the interior of the car. Mm-hmm. The Jim Wallace, nobody does some better stuff. Yep. So he calls up Jim and Jim says, hey, uh, maybe we can do this. And Jim has the materials, but he, he's just kind of pressed for time. Yeah. But we work something out, and I drive down there the next day, and he's still sewing the thing. So I go back in to his shop and watch him. I've got some pictures, too. Of him oh, yeah. Stitching up the top that eventually goes <laughs> on my car, you know, factory direct from Webster, Florida. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's a great guy. Yeah, he is. and. And that's the cool thing. I've told people a lot, um, you know, with Lincoln Land and, you know, Eric's one of the top guns there, if not the top gun uh, under Chris's, you know, ownership. And they they just they, they know the stuff, you know, they've seen people over the years put the staples in where the staples got to go. And they've seen them, you know, pop staples to the new wiring and all that. And the good thing is, is like to me, now that you've got the new top and, you know, you've refreshed all those lines and hoses and, and this and that, like that car it, it it arguably is going to last, you know, with all those parts even longer than it originally did, right? Because, I mean, everything is is produced now better. And like you said, with the original, I think Cashman and, and Dunn and all those guys, they always say, like, the ones, twos, and threes, I think those were the three years that they did have, like, the brake fluid before they yes. went to the Type F. So, like you said, a little corrosive and stuff. But, I mean, it's definitely a journey that, that the car has been through and kind of what's the current status of it. And, and maybe – I know you had one more hiccup with the transmission, I think you told me, before. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's what yeah. a Lincoln is, right? It's like it all – just right. when you think you're at the top of the hill, it's like there's one more little thing, right? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You, you can't make this stuff up. And uh, so, yeah, Chris is so excited because he, he's, he knows I need the car back home. So he takes a picture. We've already talked to Central Dispatch. We got a hauler that showed up at his place. Uh-huh. We've negotiated the price. He takes a picture of the car about to be loaded onto the trailer. And then he calls me and says, we got a problem. <laughs> and you're like, dude, are you like, you're like, this is not April 1st, man. You're not punking me, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no. But he said that it was having trouble, you know, shifting in the gear. And I said, well, I had this transmission rebuilt in 2018, but I did have a hard time finding someone in the Charlotte market that knew old transmissions. Uh-huh. It's been working fine. But so Chris reaches out to Art, uh, transmission and general mechanic around the corner. And um, he takes it apart, finds out that the original rebuilder maybe did something a little bit wonky, mm-hmm. got it fixed in a couple of days. Chris and Eric and Wayne put it back on the car, and now we're ready to ship it home. Yeah. So, yeah, they awesome. <laughs> it was yeah. the last-minute drama. 
Yeah, it is. It's like almost like watching one of those TV shows, and you're like, "Man, does this stuff really happen?" And you're like, "No, it happens." And and I can laugh a little bit with you because I've been there. I mean, some of my stuff has been you know crazy, and it's like I, I don't, I'm like, "Man, should I throw the towel in?" But you know, obviously, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And the cool thing is, you really stuck it through. I mean, you you kind of went out on a limb a little bit and said, "Hey, you know, this car sounds intriguing. You fly out there, right? You invest your time and money." You scope it out. Everything kind of seems kosher. You get the car home. You know, you had your first leg of the project. You know, now this leg through kind of Lincoln land. But now, you do you kind of feel like, man, I'm waiting for spring. You know, you, you got to have a good <laughs> feeling, right? Because now, yeah. I mean, you got this beautiful blue car. You're ready to cruise. I mean, you've got a lot done on it. I mean, you just got to be, like, ready for 2022, right? <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, I got it home and, um, you know, before I went down to Florida, I had a hard time finding the right kind of gas. Yeah. I don't know what it's like in Florida, but here in Charlotte, you know, my car just drives on 90 and higher octane, uh-huh. non-ethanol gas. If I put anything other than that in, it seems to just Doesn't have indigestion. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it comes home with half a tank of gas and I, I start, what is it, Pure Fuel, the app. Mm-hmm. And I realized that they built a new gas station eight miles away. He bought a bean. <laughs> that has, yeah, 90 octane non-ethanol. So uh, it was a sunny day, Monday, and three o'clock was probably the warmest part of the day, maybe 60-ish. And uh, I put on the jacket, tops down, and I'm, yeah, rolling, <laughs> I'm rolling to fuel up. So oh, I've had a few great. short jaunts, and I'm drives and runs good and uh, starts well yeah no complaints i'm really i'm really happy with it but there's always something to do on these cars you know always a little something yeah there is and you know even me it's like uh, even though i feel like i kind of know the stuff i mean i'm not the best mechanic around believe me and the cool thing is is like i kind of find myself venturing on a little bit further each time you know and i've had a couple hiccups like where like I almost feel like I want to get a, a better battery for the car, um, for my blue car, because it's like, you know, I had thought I had a nice battery, and it's just kind of weird, and it's got a nice alternator on it. But again, it just it goes back to that theme of you know, there's always going to be those little hiccups, and the good thing is you'll start to get more and more confidence going. Oh well, we'll go to this restaurant tonight, and it's like 20 miles away. And you're like, all right, we made it home, and then the next time, but you know, that's kind of the part of the fun. But the cool thing is, as you know, like having one of these cars. I mean. When you get, when you, you know, obviously whether it's in the winter or as you get in the spring and you start cruising that thing around, man, you've experienced it already. You get the thumbs up, you get uh, a lot of folks are going to be asking about it and, you know, the cars and coffees and things like that of the world. I mean, the car is going to be a super awesome hit there, of course. Yeah, they have one of those, they've got one or two of those coffee and cars events in the Charlotte area. Um, there's only maybe two other Charlotte, um, old Lincoln owners in Charlotte. Uh-huh. Um, I, don't, I don't think anyone owns the 63. So there's, there's not many of us, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's still fun to, to get out and kind of mix and mingle with those folks. And I'm looking forward to that. You know, when it does warm up a bit, yeah, I didn't really buy it to show. I yeah. just bought it because I, I like to drive it. I've always wanted one. And, and, you know, when you first get one and you finally get it rolling, you haven't finished the restoration, but you just really want to get it rolling <laughs> yeah. so you can kind of experience what it really feels like. Yeah. And man, it, it just grabbed me. It's like, it just drives so well. Yeah, it, it they do. And 
I think, you know, the cool thing, and I've told my son this before, because, you know, there's some cars of coffee, and the reason why I don't always end up at those is I get up so early during the week that when Saturday comes, I'm like, I don't want to get up in the 5 o'clock hour to go, you know, to the 6 o'clock cars and coffee, but the cool thing is, like, when in one of these cars, I mean, you can have a guy with a Lambo, and then you could pull up in a convertible Lincoln, and, and arguably, right, I mean, it depends on the crowd, but... Nine times out of ten, you're going to get the lion's share of the people going, wow, look at this. Oh, I remember seeing one of these tops. <laughs> you know, right. I saw the Jay Leno episode, that type of thing. So that's the cool thing about it. I told my son, like, you know, they made, as you know, you know, you start to go 3,000, 3,500-ish, right, convertibles, you know, in some of those years. So there's not a lot of them left. And when you drive mm-hmm. them, I mean, they bring smiles not only to your face and, and, you know, yourself, but then the others around that get to see them, you know. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, before the two year stint for the final, you know, spa treatment in Florida, yep. <laughs> I was <laughs> driving it around Charlotte. Um, you know, if I went out to the grocery store and I would come back outside, there'd be people standing around the car taking pictures. And as you yeah. walk up, oh, yeah. you know, then they would kind of back off and say, Oh, is it okay if we take pictures? And I'm like, Well, sure. Yeah, yeah then, no problem. Or you pull up to a, a red light and somebody pulls up beside you. And I don't know how many times somebody's offered to buy my car. And I'm not <laughs> looking to sell it. Yeah. You're like, but, stop uh, for sale. You know, I know it's it's one of those things. But I always thought when Lincoln came back out, I mean, although those like 2017-ish models are, you know, so many cool features and they do look neat and stuff. I always thought like, if they could have captured a little bit more of the original essence. And I'm not saying they didn't. But I think, like, you know, a lot of us have said, man, if they would have put out, like, some sort of electric top convertible or, yeah. you know, make all of them suicide rear coach doors, whatever they're calling it, you right in today's society. But the I think they probably would have had more people. I remember when the Chrysler 300, remember when they reintroduced that early yeah. kind of mid-2000s? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we rented one to drive from here to Pittsburgh um, for my brother-in-law's wedding one time, and... Yeah, I mean, such a nice car, but, I mean, everybody flocked. Everybody wanted one. And I kind of just feel like when Lincoln, you know, they, they obviously spent a lot of time, you know, tooling everything to bring those cars back. And then, you know, it was just short stint. But the good thing is you got the best year Lincolns, right? The 60s. I think a lot of us just love those. And, and you know, I'm the, a lot of the photos you shared with me, like, it brings a smile on my face because I, I know how uh, excited you are for this next kind of, you know, phase of the journey. <laughs> I am. Well, you, well, you're kind of there, there yourself. You've got uh, the the red '65 from a another passionate previous owner that took good care of the car, right? So you've kind of inherited or adopted carrying on the tradition. So what's next on your list for for your '65? Well, I appreciate you asking. I mean, from, I think my big thing is I'm pretty confident that the that the gear has not been done. And I've kind of pieced right. together, you know, mine has rolled over on the odometer, so I know it's over 100K. And you start to go, man, like any little bit you drive it, there's that risk, as, as we talked about. So, but then, you know, you pull that off and you're like, well, I might as well get a, you know, rebuilt water pump and that, you know, you know, a few hundred bucks there. And, and it's not that it's not a good investment. It's just like, okay, the time. So, and I'm kind of getting to the point where I don't really want to wrench as much on it either. So, uh, you know, to answer your question, I'm going to basically try to get Blair and or Chris and team over at Lincoln Land just to kind of go through it, maybe pull that stuff. Like you said, do that front end refresh. And once I do that, I think I'll be a little bit more confident to go, hey, I'll, you know, I'll drive the car a little bit more. But, you know, like we've established, it's um, 
I hate to use the word Russian Russian roulette, but it kind of is when you're trying because <laughs> because you know there's no easy way. You can't just put a little stethoscope on there and go, oh, it's not changed. You know, park it. So right, you know, that's where we're. <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. You know what I mean? So well, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I you know, as, they, as they say, it's not the destination; it's the journey. Yes. You know, if if I would have bought a car like I've got now, but fully restored. I wouldn't have the first clue of how what makes it tick. Oh yeah. Or or if something goes wrong, where to start? Yep, yep. So, kind of a blessing in a sense of I I wanted to go through and restore a car. I wanted to turn a wrench yep. on it. Yeah, I and- had to learn it, and now I know where everything's at. I can't say that I can fix everything, but I can at least understand it. Yeah, you know your way around, you know, and that type of thing. And so I told a lot of people, you know, some folks that have all the money and they they can go spend 150 grand on a car. But, you know, I've seen it, whether you spend a lot of money on one or you get one that's more of kind of a fixer-upper, you know, like TC, one of my good friends, um, you know, Teresa, you know, she always says, you know, yeah, they they all need something, you know what I mean? (laughs) And it's true. I mean, you can get a $50,000 one that's like, hey, that one, you know, the timing setup hasn't been done and, you know, you can get one that's 10 grand and you kind of go, man, I need, it needs a lot more. But like you said, that's the cool thing. If you're patient, um, I've learned to have patience more as I've gotten older and, you know, when you're patient, it's like, man, you know, the things you just plug away, you know, what's the old saying? Rome wasn't built overnight. I think it was. So, you know, these cars, obviously, you just got to chip away and you obviously linked up with the great folks at Lincoln Land and, you know, it took a little bit of time and, and, and now you're ready for 2022. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's not just those folks, but like I said, John Cashman oh, was great yes. with some phone support. John Brewer. Helped me immeasurably with you know, just things like checking out the relays mm-hmm. and uh, switches, cleaning them up and checking them, letting me know what I needed to keep and what I needed to replace. Um, you, you know, there's niche servicers and providers around the country, you know, like Dewey Booster, the, the, the brake yes. booster guy. Yep. You know, you, Baker's was a good outfit. I mean, I know that they had some struggles. You can still get parts. Mm-hmm. So many so many people in this small community of Lincoln parts, suppliers, servicers, restorers, etc. So it's, um, yeah. And the, and the Lincoln forum, it's, yeah. if you know, great, great place to get help. Yeah. And I'll tell, you know, the plug that I'll give, and I've always tried to plug the Lincoln forum.net. You can just Google it. I think if you type in.com, it just flips you to the .net, but uh, regardless, I mean, it's just such a good place. There's so much stuff going back about 20 years or so, if you go back to the real beginning. But the cool thing is you can just type in the search, you know, certain keywords. And, uh, you know, it's not Facebook, but to me there's so much documented information there. If you can't figure out the issue there, then you could post it. But for the most part, this stuff is, is – if one Lincoln owner has ran into it and they've been on the Lincoln yeah. forum, they've posted it and it's out there. And uh, it just takes a little patience to find it, but that's pretty cool. And, you know, I didn't get a chance earlier to say, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy new year, all that stuff. I know it's a great time of year and um, I know you're probably looking forward to spending time with the family and stuff, but everything else good on the, uh, the home front outside of the car stuff. Absolutely. We're all, we're all doing good and uh, we're going to be staying home for the holidays. Appreciate you asking. It's a little, a little happier and merrier that the cars come home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You just—I kind of wanted to go buy one of those like little wreaths or something to put on the front and take a quick photo, but you know, I think I might do that next year. But 
I have a friend, Josh, one of my good buddies. He lives up near Charlotte or actually kind of like right on the outskirts. I forget exactly what little, you know, corridor there. But uh, I got a chance to visit him a little bit earlier this year. We went to a truck show in April and I drove up to Charlotte and we got a meal that night and we had a great time. So hopefully I'll get a chance to come back up. He's got some friends that like live over on that Lake Norman stuff and, you know, Mm -hmm. they take the boats out in the summer. And I've never, although I grew up on a lake, much smaller lake, you know, I've never experienced that kind of North Carolina in the summer, so to speak. So I'm hoping next year to maybe make it up that way. And if I do, I'd love to come by and check out the car. Well, absolutely. And I know that I think April is when they have the spring car show up at the track. Maybe that's what you yeah. were at. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that but, would be uh, cool. Yeah, come on up. I think there's um, they there's a resurgence of or rebirth of the Lincoln Car Club for this region. Good. I believe it's North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Um because there's just not enough cars to support one in the past. Mm-hmm. But I believe they're starting it. This gentleman down in, I believe it's Georgia, Atlanta. So I know that he's got some events planned. And as they get, as you say, get bolder and bolder with how far out I'm willing <laughs> right. to drive the car. <laughs> you never know where yeah. I might end up. But uh, but come on up. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll go talk old Lincolns and go look at old Lincolns and for, for the two or three that are here. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> And uh, to all the listeners, I will uh, I'll go back and you know find some of the photos that Mark Evans has shared with me, and and uh, you know we'll share some of some of those out there. But I think really in closing, my thought is like, hey, there are cars out there. You know, we've heard this on TV shows. You know, you can find them. Uh, it takes a little bit of patience, obviously, but when you do, you know, don't get discouraged if you've got one that you know obviously needs a little bit, right? Because like as TC always says, you know, they all. They all need something, and you know, in Mark's example that you've documented kind of with us today, uh, hey, it took a little bit of time, and and now you're back on cloud nine. So, you know, we can't wait to see you out there cruising, man, with a smile ear to ear, Mark. <laughs> well, thanks, Jason. <laughs> Just come on up, and we'll do it together. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, listen again. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that fun stuff. And uh, thank you so much, Mark, for taking a little bit of time to share your awesome story into your family and all of you guys, you know, just enjoy, man. Don't have too much fun without us. <laughs> right. Well, Merry Christmas to you and your family. And thanks for having me. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Take care.